Hello, ladies and gentlemen, you beautiful people of the internet. Welcome back to uh, Nerd Out Sanctuary, episode number 34. So getting up there in the numbers, uh, this is probably like my fifth time starting this episode since I keep getting goddamn interrupted. But uh, yeah, so hopefully this one finally gets, we finally get through it. So yeah, interesting episode for you guys today. I'm going to be talking about a trailer a uh, sort of mini-series on Netflix, a recent film release that came out in 2020, but I just got access to it on Hulu now, I think yesterday. And uh, our final five mini-segment for my top 100 films of all time before I do something a little special for my final 10, which we'll get into that a little bit later at the end of the episode. But, uh, so yeah... Hopefully it's not going to be too short of a discussion um, or Nerd Out Sanctuary episode for you. I mean, I hopefully I'm probably going to be able to extend this one a little bit, um, a little bit sort of at the end, kind of um, explaining what's going to be coming in the future. But to kind of summarize it a little bit in the beginning here, sorry, I'm burping a little bit. Jesus. I got myself some pineapple juice today instead of uh, a typical energy drink. But anyway, irrelevant. But uh, so it's looking like uh, the weather's warming up and uh, probably going to be going back to work here uh, relatively soon. I'm kind of hearing up to a month and or between like an interval of two weeks and a month. So probably somewhere in the middle of March I'll be going back. But um, hopefully I'll still be coming out um, with these episodes either weekly or bi-weekly, depending on how honestly motivated I am and how much time I have. Um, My job can get pretty hectic and can be working a lot, like 10, 12-hour shifts, working nights. I've worked (laughs) 16-hour shifts before. It can get pretty intense, but usually not at the very beginning, more like when it starts really getting warm, warm, uh, warm up, when it starts to really warm up. But honestly, it might not even be too much busyness this coming year um i don't know it depends what's going to be going on on the project so hopefully i'm going to be continuing doing this so i don't go on like a five-month hiatus and you know become a lazy piece of shit or something like that so yeah hopefully i continually uh do this sort of every week and that's kind of what i've been doing now um even when i'm off so so i kind of i kind of wanted to do put out at least two per week but it's just it just doesn't happen usually i get kind of burnout after i edit my my uh my clips for the episode so again if you're just listening to me on uh spotify or apple Podcasts or google Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this i'd appreciate you visiting my uh, youtube channel it's just Nerd Out Sanctuary on YouTube. I would be highly appreciated liking some of my videos, subscribing, you know, maybe commenting on certain videos, getting interactive with me up. I wholly appreciate that, even if it's something negative, like I'm a p- fucking idiot for saying certain things about your favorite movie or whatever. I would s- still welcome that comment. But, uh, you know, if if not, that's also fine, too. But, I mean, it would be, be pretty fucking cool if you did. But, um... <clears throat> doesn't really matter i mean listening to this is probably the definitive experience of this show i mean it is a podcast it's just you know i put a decent amount of work into my video editing but i don't know i might dumb that down a little bit when i start working so i don't get super burnt out um from doing this but i still love doing this and i love talking about movies and 
TV and video games and a bunch of nerdy stuff. And that's what we're going to continue doing today. So without further ado, let's just get into the goddamn fucking episode, Mike. You always extend these intros and, like, outros way too long, okay? So just get into it. So, first topic of the episode. A trailer for a certain film that's going to be coming out in April came out, I think, two days ago, maybe, I believe. We're talking about the new Mortal Kombat uh, movie. I'm actually wearing a Mortal Kombat shirt right now, if you're just listening to me. So I suggest you uh, check out my YouTube channel and go to YouTube and watch it. But if not, if you're watching on YouTube, well, you know, welcome. <laughs> um, this is a podcast, by the way. little plug for myself. But um, I'll also see some stupid plug at the end of the, this video. If you're watching the YouTube video. But anyway, back to Mortal Kombat. <coughs> Sorry. Coming out in 2021, April uh, 16th, I believe. So if you don't know anything about Mortal Kombat, um, th Mortal Kombat is a big classic video game. I think the first ever Mortal Kombat game. I'm kind of blanking on when it originally came out. Let's look. I think 92 originally came out in 92, I believe. Um, yeah, first release, October 8th, 1992. And the latest game is Mortal Kombat 11, which I have up oh, wrong right there, which is so oh, so weird that I'm putting pointing right here. It's just I'm kind of all disoriented. If you're just listening, I'm pointing to the actual game that I kind of have like displayed behind me. But yeah, Mortal Kombat 11, kind of an awesome video game. Highly suggest getting it, and they're probably pretty cheap as well. These these games really drop in price. They're not like Grand Theft Auto or Destiny or whatever that kind of always stays sixty dollars for some reason, but uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat's the shit. Very fucking violent, which is kind of the best. Their fighting games are usually like a two D platform, like sort of platform, go back and forth, fight each other. It's not like a three D fighting game. They had one uh, Mortal Kombat that it was like a sort of Soul Caliber three D fighting game, but. It didn't that I think that was short lived. People I don't know if people like that game. <gasps> Sorry. I keep hiccuping. It's the goddamn juice. Sorry. But and this goddamn trailer. Um so first off, it's a red band trailer, which is awesome. I love red band trailers where you actually get to see the violence and the vulgarity. It's the best. So, like I said, if you don't know anything about Mortal Kombat, it's based off of around this tournament of Um, people from what they call Earth Realm, which is Earth, Outworld, which are, you know, obviously outworldly people, sort of like, if you are familiar with the game, you know, Goro or Sub-Zero and I think Scorpion. I don't know if, I'm pretty sure they're from Outworld. At least Scorpion gets sucked into the Nether Realm, which is the other realm in the universe. I'm not, I'm not the biggest on Mortal Kombat lore. I just love the video games, so, and I know the characters. So, I'm pretty pumped for this film and watching the trailer I, I i mean again i gotta reserve my hype since it is a video game film and video game films usually tend to be kind of shitty but i mean this one looks like it knows what it is which is always good i've talked about self-awareness on this channel before and how important it is like this i mean this movie it it seems to be more just a movie and not a film if you kind of get what i'm saying there You know, like, certain certain movies are films. Like, I would describe Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, a film. Blade Runner, a film. Or, 
you know, a, um, a film that I'm going to be talking about on, on this episode. It's a film. Certain movies like Fast and the Furious or Avengers or, I don't know, the recent, like, you know, Batman v Superman, like, or probably, and this, this, this one, just kind of movies, entertainment, like, when you really get down to it, movies are just really just supposed to entertain you. And this is what is, this is just going to entertain you. And that's good. Like, that's really good. Um, when a film realizes that and doesn't try to be anything more than that. Like, I want to see, I, I got to see a tournament. I got to see the tournament. Mortal Kombat is a tournament. F- like, fight to the death to see who is the greatest fighter in all the realms. Um, it has to be violent and the fight scenes got to look good and choreographed well, which it's looking like it's kind of gonna be because there have some interesting talent. Like the guy they got to play Sub-Zero is, uh, was in the first Raid movie, which is awesome. The guy they got to play Hanzo Wasashi, aka Scorpion, is this shit. Um, I don't really know anyone else in the film that they cast other than those two, which... Sub-Zero and Scorpion, they're like the two faces of the franchise, so I'm I'm glad they kind of casted recognizable guys that are awesome, which is great. The guy that they casted uh, to play Kano was, is kind of interesting, especially at the very end of the trailer. Low-key might be the best part of the movie. Um, just kind of put that in your back pocket before you watch it. Um, I've seen this guy in more of a comedic role in that Superstore um sitcom and i actually kind of liked his character he was pretty funny he's kind of a kind of a douchebag dickhead pharmacist in that in that show and he's pretty funny and he looks pretty great and he nails the australian accent so um and obviously nails the fatality of the famous kano heart rip i mean come on now it's kind of the shit so he might be low-key the best part of the film other than maybe sub-zero and scorpion um it's another thing that i absolutely need which it looks like I'm getting is a badass Scorpion Sub-Zero fight. So I'm excited for that. And it looks like they're staying true to the actual lore, at least some of what I know, how, you know, Drax gets his arms, you know, frozen and broke off by Sub-Zero. So he gets those cybernetic Jack's arms, which is really cool. Um, I really like that. It's looking like they're going to be going over, uh, scorpion's origin how his you know whole family and his like clan gets murdered by like sub-zero's clan which is really cool so we're i guess we're going to be seeing that in the very beginning which i really like hopefully we're going to get get some surprises of char- certain characters that are going to be coming in i don't know who who exactly i mean obviously i've seen raiden Liu kang kung lao sonya blade jack scorpion sub-zero uh kano looks like goro is going to be in it that's another thing that I'm, I'm kind of worried about is the CGI. We'll see how that goes. It might. It didn't look terrible in the trailer, so I mean, I can't. I mean, I have some reservations there. But anyway, I, I the one major thing that I'm kind of hoping. I mean, it, it, I when I look at Mortal Kombat on IMDb, the 2021 release, the actual film that we're talking about here, um, they do give Ed Boon a writing credit. Um, if you don't know who Ed Boon is, he's one of the, like, he's the main creator. He's, I mean, he, it was created by, I think, two guys. Let me see exactly who, Ed Boon and John Tobias. But Ed Boon is usually kind of the main guy at the forefront. He always kind of talks about, he's the one who goes on stage at E3 or is always interviewed about Mortal Kombat. He's always like the spokesperson. He's the main guy, the main creator for Mortal Kombat. 
And I hope he's and people from the video games, especially the writers at the video games. I was kind of looking, diving deep into see if any of the writers of either Mortal Kombat 9, X, or 11, because those games have a story mode, and they're honestly kind of good. I mean, for a, for a fighting game, they're pretty fucking amazing. I mean, it doesn't blow your mind or anything. I mean, it's a Mortal Kombat story. I mean, it's just kind of a general tournament narrative, which is fine. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything complicated, but I mean, it's entertaining and it's badass, and it's awesome for a video game. So I was kind of hoping those guys were somehow involved in this. They also had a comic book around Mortal Kombat X's release, which I thought was actually kind of decent, and I kind of enjoyed. So I, I kind of hoped some of the writers for that kind of came in, and I, I don't think it is. The director and writer, I looked at it on IMDb for this film, and I don't think... One, I think the director is... I don't think it's directed anything else. Let me look real quick. Um, he directed one short film in 2014, but nothing else. And I think the writer hasn't even written anything else. At least on IMDb, it doesn't say anything. So that's a little bit concerning. Um, but who knows? Doesn't I, I mean, this could still be really great. I mean, it's not. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be that hard of a job to be honest because I mean we're not going to become I'm not going to be coming into this film looking for great character development or great writing I just want to see badass fights I want to see a tournament and I want to see the characters that I love from the franchise and I need to see some fucking violence like some gross absolute like bone crunching blood gushing violence because that's what Mortal Kombat is and it's look like it's looking like we're we're getting that I mean, it has a red band trailer, and, you know, it looks like they have the fatalities. The famous, you know, famous quotes for the video games are in there. I also need some references from the video games because, I mean, who doesn't want that? So, yeah, Mortal Kombat trailer, it looks pretty good. I have some hope for it. I'm going to be watching it, and I'll probably be talking about it on this podcast. So, I'm a, I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan. Like I said, I play the video games, and, uh, yeah, I'm hoping this one is pretty decent. So, yeah. Mortal Kombat coming out April 20... Uh, what, April 20... What are you talking about, Mike? April 16th. So, yeah. I, I actually think it's going to be on HBO Max, too. Which will be good, because I have that. So, I'll be able to watch it the day it comes out. Which is nice. So, moving on to the show I'm going to be talking about this on this episode. Let me take a little bit of a drink of my juice. He's got the juice. Um, but, anyway... Sorry if I'm an idiot. Like I said, this is what you're going to get on this show. But uh, it's a Netflix original. I don't know. I don't, don't want to consider it a mini series because it's not just one season. It has two seasons, but it's pretty much a mini series. We're talking about the end of the fucking world. Um, it's on Netflix original original uh, series. Um, I think came out, I believe, I think... The second season came out last year in 2019. The first season came out in 2017. But uh, it's a show that's based off of a graphic novel of the same name. It's kind of the similar genre of another sort of miniseries on Netflix that I reviewed on this channel that's actually pretty good. Um, it's called uh, I Am Not Okay With This. It's kind of a, 
I mean, it's not a pseudo dark comedy. It is a dark comedy where like just some kind of absurd, you know, R-rated shit happens or our characters are just kind of not on the fringe of like society, but they just have different perspectives on things because of certain things that have happened to them or things that they're currently dealing with. And, uh, you know, this series is just kind of explores with the idea of what if you just kind of just said, fuck it and did what you really wanted or said what you actually wanted. I think oh, got a weird notification, shut up phone. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, this film is really funny because it does explore that sort of, you know, not trusting people who kind of quote unquote fit in or people who just fit in always kind of have something to hide or something that's behind them that's a little bit more sinister, whether it's, you know, they're hiding something bad or some emotional trauma or addictions or gross habits or whatever the fuck that people hide away, which is totally fine, you know? That's normal. Everyone hides things from the ones they love or ones they care about or whatever, you know? But, like, also people who have, like, oh, I have nothing to hide type of people or just kind of... It throws you off a little bit, and this this show kind of explores that a little bit, which I kind of like with the two main characters, which is a big thing that I think the show does really well, is um, the writing is great, I thought is... I mean, the first episode is fucking hilarious and really gets you hooked i i personally believe i was heavily invested in both the characters of uh what's what's the guy's name why am i blanking on his name james and Alyssa are the two main characters what uh what they do is they kind of meet each other and james is may or may not be a crazy psychopath serial killer and may or may not want to kill this other girl who somehow takes an interest in him who her name is Alyssa, who kind of has her own emotional issues that she's dealing with and some things sort of happen they talk for a little bit and they end up saying fuck everything and going on some weird ass road trip where some more dark sinister things might happen so i don't want to spoil anything with that but like I said, um, the show is very, I think, reminiscent of that other show, I Am Not Okay With This, on Netflix, which I do really like. It's very, I have similar opinions on both this show and that show. They're very, they're very similar. It's weird. They're kind of the same genre, obviously not about the same things, but I think the characters are a little bit similar, the main characters at least. Um, kind of deals with some type of emotional trauma, something may or may not be wrong with them mentally or emotionally. Um, sort of, I mean, there, there's a fantastical element to I'm not okay with this, that this, um, the end of the fucking world doesn't have, but the absurdity is there, the absolute craziness is there, and the writing and, like, the tone and the music and the way it's, sh sorry, the way it's shot is very similar. They're both, um, based off of graphic novels of, um, similar names, of the same names, so, if you liked I Am Not Okay With This, you'll really like this one. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> also, both of them have, like, a sort of narration by the main characters throughout, which I kind of really liked. Um, 
But like I said, the main thing that this show does really well is the development of our two main characters, um, James and Alyssa, and their relationship one, with one another. Like, James is just kind of a lovable character, and you just root for him. And I love the actor who plays um, James. His name's a- Alex Lothar. He, I'm not, I haven't seen him in really anything else other than that one Black Mirror episode. I believe it's called Shut Up and Dance in the third season. Probably the most disturbing Black Mirror episode. If you don't know what Black Mirror is, it's kind of like a hard sci-fi um, episodic mini uh, episodic series. I think it's on Netflix, so I highly recommend it if you're into science fiction. It kind of explores like where society is going and where technology is going to be taking them in some sort of... They're just kind of cautionary tales, at least. Um, most of them are pretty dark, and the one that he's in is probably the darkest and the most fucked up one. So be careful. Shut up and dance. It's one of the better episodes, but it's one of the mo- it's one of the it's probably the most disturbing one. So and he's amazing in that one. He's amazing in this. I hope I to see him in a lot more. And also uh the chick who plays Alyssa, uh Jessica Barden, who's fantastic. Her character is incredibly well written, I think, because she's kind of a shitty person. Like Alyssa's kind of a shitty person, but she's also a lovable character and you love her and you root for her as well and you really shouldn't but you do mainly because of the relationship she has with with james and their sort of dynamic together and just the things that they go through um whether before or after this major event happens that kind of sets off everything else in the show so yeah um i mean that's kind of what keeps you coming back to the show. Now, I can't really say too much else about the show without really spoiling anything, and I don't want to do that. I mean, it's technically very good. Um, like I said, the writing is good. Um, weird, weird comparison I'm going to kind of br- pull out of my ass here about sh- a show like this. I've been watching a lot of, like, you know, I'm a huge sports guy. I'm a huge sports fan, especially uh, football, baseball, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the NFL draft is coming up in April, and I'm watching, obviously, a lot of, you know, draft stuff and, you know, football stuff. I'm playing Madden again, which don't shit on me. I like football. You know, I want to play a football game. Madden is the only game. Yes, it's, like, the worst video game ever. But I still play it because it's the only thing that I can play. But anyway, so I'm watching a lot of draft content, and they always kind of, they use this sort of term to describe sort of NFL prospects of like, you know, you know, sort of a boom or bust type of uh, prospect. So if you're familiar with football, if you know who like Patrick Mahomes is, he's probably the biggest name in the NFL right now. He was considered to be like a boom or bust type of prospect coming out of college. He could have either been an absolute you know, shit show, like a just an, kind of stinks, never start an NFL game, just kind of a bust. Or he could have been something that's really special, which inevitably, as we all know, happened, which is great. I mean, that rarely happens, but certain NFL teams want to take that risk, usually really high in, in the draft, usually early in the first round. But, uh, you know, certain other prospects are kind of sort of, you know, considered to be having these, like, high floor, low ceiling types. Like they're not gonna they're gonna come out of the draft 
be a decent NFL starter, but not really going to set the world on fire. Like they're not going to become this absolute world beater coming out of college. They're just going to kind of be a steady career, you know, think of maybe, I don't know, the New York Giants, Daniel Jones. I mean, he's kind of being considered as a bust, but that's because the Giants took him at pick number six, which is incredibly high. But, you know, he's a solid NFL starter. And that's kind of what people thought he was going to be. And that's what you kind of consider a high floor, you know, not going to be really bad. He's not going to stink, but he's not going to be absolutely like fucking amazing. And that's kind of how I would describe this show is sort of a high floor, low ceiling type of show. Like you watch it, you're going to at least enjoy it and not regret watching it. It's also pretty short. The episodes are like 20 minutes long. And I think there's eight of them in each season. So what I mean, that's that's really nothing. I mean, that's like two and a half hours, two and a half, three hours in like for one season. Like that's nothing. So, yeah, I mean, you'll be able to binge it. Oh, sorry, dropping my pen. You'll be able to binge it in like two days. You'll be able to watch it in two days, basically. So it doesn't take a lot of time. It's good, has solid characters, solid writing, but like it's not going to blow your mind or anything. It's not going to be anything that you haven't seen before, haven't seen before, which is calling us somewhere for what I said about I am not okay with this. I mean, again, it's it's very similar to other things that have come out that in the past. And this one is a little bit similar to that. But, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit more unique than the other one. Uh, I am not okay with this, but still, like, not going to be incredibly special to you, but a good watch. Like, if you don't have anything else to watch, you know, like, you think you've watched everything, check this one out. I, I mean, it's not going to take up too much of your time, and I think you're going to be heavily enjoy it. You're going to heavily enjoy it. I think you're going to enjoy it. At least some people might love it. Um, if you're a fan of dark comedy, definitely check this one out. You might, I think you'll really like it. But I mean, again, watch the trailer f- for it. And if you're like, eh, I'll pass on this one, then pass on it. I mean, you can. I mean, it's not an absolute. Oh, you need to watch this show right now. But I watched it. It didn't take me that long to get through it, and I liked it. You know, I also am a fan of dark comedy. So, yeah. Um, end of the uh, fucking world on netflix it's a netflix original so check it out yeah so moving uh moving on to um another topic another a film that actually came out in uh 2020 back in 20 well technically released in 2020 i didn't get to watch it until last night but uh we're talking the nomad land um if you're unfamiliar with this film, it's uh, about this one character uh, named Fern, played by Frances McDormand, who's one of the best. Um, we'll be talking about her a little bit more. But uh, she is just kind of um, starting this new life of being what people like to call a nomad, where they just kind of live out of their van, travel across the country, and work random-ass jobs around you know, whether it's in a restaurant, washing dishes, preparing food, or at some type of vegetable plant, potato farm, or whatever, or working for Amazon, um, you know, wrapping and boxing and preparing packages and sending them out. Just random jobs throughout the year. Um, they just kind of move around and they just do whatever they want, drive wherever they want, work whatever job that they want or whatever they can get. Um, so, and that's just, that's the film, really. 
Um, like I said, this film technically was released in 2020, even though I, I watched it in 2021. And I, I briefly mentioned this in my top 10 of 2020 discussion video, so I suggest you go watch that. I, I really, I'm really proud of that video. I really like um, reviewing my top 10 list of each year, so I, I think I, I really like that video. But I do briefly mention um, Nomadland as one of those films that I really wish I could have saw before I made that list. And I mentioned that because knowing that this could have made it into my top 10 list. And we'll talk about it if it would have um, when I'm finished on talking about the film. But like I said, watched it last night. And I'm talking about it on my episode right now. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an opinion of how I feel about it. But the best way I would describe a film like this is... It's kind of in this genre of, it's almost like, I don't really want to say slice of life type of film, but, um, you know, it just kind of lets you in on a certain time period of a character's or char- a character or character's life. Um, just kind of letting you know, you know, what the day to day is like in this certain person or character's life. Um, and this certain lifestyle is, you know, being a nomad and traveling around the world and how it's usually people that are kind of down on their luck. Let's just say they're people that, you know, don't really win at life. You know, they're kind of going on hard times, you know, life was just not good to them. And with, and rather than, you know, ending it all, they chose this, which I think is very admirable and positive, um, random thing that I thought about when like watching this think of um the twist in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village like those type of people you know they chose something else rather than you know ending it so if you're familiar with The Village you kind of know what I'm talking about I actually kind of like that twist a lot of people shit on that movie I kind of liked it I mean, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, that was the first horrible movie that M. Night Shyamalan ever made and that just kind of started this you know, turn of shitty films. I'm like, I kind of like, it's not bad at all. I don't know what, what people shit on it for. I mean, probably deals with expectations, but this film is also, I mean, it also reminded me of a film that came out in 2007, Into the Wild, also 2014's Wild, or uh, Patterson that came out in 2016. These just look, looks in, look-ins on, like, just a certain character's life and what they're doing. And just sort of like this is the time period of like what they're doing right now. Um, so a lot of people, um, including me, uh, would kind of consider this like filmmaking minimalism, basically. You know, the, like that's what the genre is, where it just it doesn't really have too much like that big moment. Like these film, these types of films, they're not like any other genre of film. Like they don't have a climax. They don't have any of those major character building and character development scenes. Those massive, bombastic, like, holy shit moments. Um, like, for example, a Pieces um, pieces of a Woman. You know, that opening long take shot of, you know, the birth scene. Like, that's a holy shit moment. That, that film has a decent amount of scenes that are like, whoa. Those holy shit reveals or character, you know holy shit moments other films that are in my like palm springs have has those like holy shit moments like this film doesn't really 
have that. There's 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 no holy shit moment. There's no character reveal that blows your mind. There's no twist. There's no action. It's just kind of like the character, like Fern and these people who choose this lifestyle. It just kind of exists. You know, you just kind of see and observe and experience what you're experiencing. And I kind of, I really liked that a a lot. Um, Usually this, like films like these, you kind of come out with, I mean, it's not the only genre where this happens to you, but like, especially in this genre, like you come out with a different perspective and look on things just like about life in general. And that's, it's a very, especially this one is more of an inward contemplative type of experience that, I really like in something that you can take away from, you know, a film that lets you in on a certain type of lifestyle or like makes you, you know, learn something or makes you think about certain things in your own life, I think is a very important quality to have in a film. And this one definitely has that. And, you know, this certain film has concepts of, you know, acceptance of you know oneself and your life in general of you know becoming what you want to becoming and who cares what other people think or you know what they know life to be you know it's not your life you know someone else's life is not your life so why should you live someone else's life that they think you should be living you know you know also being okay with certain people not understanding you also um brings up really interesting concepts of what home is and what how people define what home is is it a physical place or is it more of an abstract idea type of thing like what do you like that film i think doesn't directly ask you but sort of indirectly asks you you know what do you think of when you picture home or what home is like do you picture an actual house an actual roof over your head? Do you picture, I don't know, having dinner at a dinner table? Do you picture your family, your parents, your mom, your dad, your your siblings? Do you picture your son, you know, your daughter, uh, your loved one? You know, who, who like what what makes you think of home? Is it a car? Is it, you know, that's is it a van in this in this instance? You know, I thought that was really cool and it was a very interesting thing to think about and i was you know contemplate what do i think home is you know to me i think home is just family and connection to me at least like i feel more at home just not only like it doesn't have to be in my house i mean it can be anywhere but i feel at home when i'm with my immediate family i mean it's part of the reason why i think my immediate family is there i think a lot closer than some others that i've been observing throughout you know my life so yeah i mean just i mean that's i thought it was something that was very nice and beautiful that i came away with this out of this film i mean just technically the film is flawless i believe i mean it's beautifully shot like some of the images that you see are really great visually stunning um I mean, it's perfectly acted by Frances McDormand. I mean, she's one of these actors that just every time I see her in a role, she just feels so real. 
You know, it just feels like her character in, in a certain film is just a real person. You know, watch Fargo, the original Fargo film. Watch uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, watch this film. Watch any of her films. She's just, she just feels real. And that that's something that a lot of actors in Hollywood can't do. You know, it's part of the reason why I'm not, I mean, I hate throwing shade at people, but like reasons why I'm not a huge Anne Hathaway or really Jennifer Lawrence fan or certain type. I mean, honestly, kind of, honestly, I think Matthew McConaughey kind of got that way for me a little bit. Just certain actors, I'm just like, I just see you as an actor, you know, like at this stage, like Meryl Streep at her, like this stage of her career, not, not older films, like her her some her older stuff is probably some of the greatest of all time rightful it's it's rightfully so that she's considered one of the greatest actors of all time and that's 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 a thing but like now when she's in stuff i'm like okay it's just meryl streep you know it's just Anne hathaway it's just matthew mcconaughey playing someone you know and it doesn't mean those actors can't do that it's just when an actor's so goddamn consistent like Frances McDormand is it's very impressive to me and that's she's the same way in this film she feels like a real person um so yeah also the music is very I think perfectly done and very well timed as well at certain and just it it plays the it, it, it has the right music at the right moments which is really nice um and also you know like I said it explores interesting concepts and ideas that makes you, you know, recontextualize some things about your life, I think. Um, and it doesn't, like, directly ask you. It just kind of, it's just what you think of when you watch this film. It's just the place where it takes you. You know, the, the film just takes you places. Like, Fern just goes places, you know? You, know, you just kind of have to let it happen. Um, I mean, again, the, the film... Um, it's in that genre where it doesn't have anything like super exciting ha happen like in the film. So, I mean, that doesn't really do the film any favors. And I think it doesn't make it as rewatchable as certain films in my top 10 list have. I think rewatchability is definitely a thing that matters when you're considering your own opinions about a film. I'm not going to just like you know, blow up like the, you know, hype up a film that I don't think has the amount of rewatchability as certain films do, in my opinion. Like, you know, like this one, I, I kind of do see myself watching this film again, like in a very, like in a, a long time, I have to be in the right mind, mind space. Uh, so it's not quite, as, it's not like a, an emotionally heavy film, like Pieces of a Woman is, where it's like uh, one and done is good enough for me. Um, like this film is, you know, it takes you to a certain place, but also, like, nothing really exciting happens, you know? Like, it just kind of, you just kind of, it just kind of, it's just kind of there. It just kind of exists. And you're just taken along this weird emotional, you know, contemplative journey that you go on with Fern in this. And that's kind of nice. So, I mean, that doesn't really change my opinion on the film. I just think, you know... This film is hyped up to be like the best of the year, I think. It's stuff that I read about the film, and I wouldn't go that far. Like, I wouldn't put this at the number one spot of my top 100, but I still think this film is fantastic. Does it have the movie magic? 
Yes, it does. It absolutely has it. I think it definitely would have made my top 10. I think maybe it would have been number seven, you know, bumped out his house, probably put this one in there because I think this one is a little bit more of a quality film, I personally believe. Um, and I just really enjoyed the place that this film took me and, you know, the things that it made me think think of, you know. Um, you know, not only the places that it took me visually, but just mentally uh, at the same time. And I really, I really like that. And I think that makes it a little bit more rewatchable than other films um, of the certain genre that I've seen of this one. So yeah, exceptional film. I really like it. Um, definitely the hype is definitely real. I think it's a really good film. I mean, I can see why certain people wouldn't like it. Because, like, well, what the fuck just happened? Like, nothing happened the whole time. Well, I mean, it's a film that really nothing really supposed to really happen, you know? It's just, like I said, it's just kind of a minimalistic film that you just kind of experience along with the runtime. So, yeah, Nomadland. I checked it out on Hulu. It's available on Hulu, I think, exclusively. That's how I was able to watch it. So check it out on there. It's very good. All right. So, moving on to our final topic of the episode, we got our next my my final mini segment of my top 100 films of all time, my final 5. It's not the final final 5, but it's the last, you know, section of 15 through 11. I will be doing a sort of a special episode on my top 10. We'll get into that a little bit more after I reveal my next 5, but before I do that, I like to give get a little bit of a disclaimer before I reveal these um, for every single one one of these topics. Um, all these movies in my list have my stamp of approval. My movie magic, obviously, it's my top one hundred films of all time. My movie magic is just sort of like a certain I don't know like stamp of approval that I give on a film whether I really liked it or I didn't like it. So yeah. Um, I'm also not going to give uh, an in-depth review on each one of these films. I might in a future, um, my final 10, but here, no. Um, and this is also just, it's just my opinion. You know, it's not objective fact that these are the top 100 films of all time. Like, objectively, this is, subje that's the beauty about film. Film's an art form. It's subjective. Certain people have certain tastes, and this is just my taste in film. And I hope you can agree with me, but if you don't, I would also like to see your top five or top ten, you know, films in the comment section. I would really love to hear that, and I, I just, I just love film so much. That's why I make, that's why I made this giant ass list, which may or may not change in the future. So, but I think we're we're getting into the territory that this isn't really going to be changing too much. Like we're getting the some heavy hitters here, so. Without further ado, let's just get into it. Uh, number 15, we got um, a very interesting film uh, for me, a little bit more modern. I think it came out in 2011. Yeah, 2011. We got uh, um, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive. If you don't know anything about this film, it stars Ryan Gosling. I think it's it kind of contributes to Ryan Gosling being a lot, you know, 
very big. I, I, I kind I don't know if it kind of reinvigorated his career, but you know he got role. I mean he got roles. I think in uh, Place Beyond the Pines. I absolutely know for a fact he got the Blade Runner role as K for, because of this film. Um, so I love Drive. I think Drive is. I think it has one of the best uses of metaphor and symbolism in film I've ever seen. I think it's it's so I rewatch it almost every year at least. Um probably some of the best music, best soundtrack I've ever heard in a film. I still listen to uh Night Call and A Real Hero like regularly in my in my Spotify playlist. I I I religiously listen to it. I love just I think it's like kind of started off this almost retro 80s tone that a lot of shows and movies kind of recreate, such as like Stranger Things or, you know, other films that kind of have this 80s retro vibe to it. And I think this one kind of really kicked that off. I mean, it's from 2011. We're still seeing content today kind of, you know, harken back to those old 80s, 70s types of films and that just sort of tone and music. So yeah, Drive I think was a really big part of that and it's just it's just a really good movie about a guy who's done bad things but wants to be a good man at, you know, the heart of it all and tries to do what he thinks is the right thing to do and sometimes it might be the wrong thing but you know, I just I I love it and I think Ryan Gosling gives probably his best performance ever. Um, and I think always will be his best performance. And I think it's it's just one of the best movies I've ever seen. So Drive, check it out. I believe it's on Netflix if you've never seen it. Just don't go into it thinking it's a fucking action movie. This isn't fucking Fast and the Furious. It's something a lot more than that, okay? So people who, you know, have this, like, weird thing that, you know, film is only merely entertainment, like, fuck off. So, Yeah. Drive, I think it's spectacular. So moving on to number 14, we got a classic here, um, 1985. Um, what's, oh, I think it's Richard Linklater, right? Is the guy who uh, directed, yeah, no, not Richard Linklater. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Why did I think Richard Linklater? Weird. But uh, yeah, Robert Zemeckis' uh, uh, Back to the Future, the very first film. I think in my previous top uh, 10 reveal, I say Star Wars A New Hope is the best first uh, film in a franchise ever. That was a lie. I think Back to the Future, I think, is the best first film in a franchise ever. So, yeah. Sorry if I, I, I lied. I'm sorry. I apologize. But Back to the Future is just so good. Um, It's a classic. I mean, there's a reason why it's fucking 96 on Ron Tomatoes. It's phenomenal. Doc and Marty. I mean, there's a whole show like adult animation show sort of based off of the idea of back to the future with doc and marty you know obviously rick and morty but uh yeah i mean it's just it's great i mean the whole series is pretty great i mean i really like back to the future uh part two as well part three is a little weird but i still kind of enjoy it um the first back to the future movie is just fucking classic i mean you can't get anything better than that i mean michael j fox is the best doc brown is the best i mean come on 1.21 gigawatts (laughs) um marty (laughs) i love this movie i love back to the future it's another i mean all these films i almost like watch 
every other year or, or yearly at this point. So yeah, I mean, I don't really need to say anything about Back to the Future. If you haven't seen Back to the Future, what the fuck are you watching this for? Watch Back to the Future. So anyway, so moving on to number 13, Lucky number 13, we got Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, my favorite Monty Python movie. It's probably my favorite comedy of all time. Incredibly quotable. It's so good. I have fault in your general direction. Your father was a hamster and your mother smelt of elderberries. So good. Um, I am King Arthur, King of the Britons. I move for no man. <laughs> I mean, the Black Knight scene is probably one of the greatest scenes of all time. So good. Tis but a flesh wound. <laughs> flesh wound your arms off i mean it's it's incredibly quotable it's so funny brilliant comedy still stands up today i i, I mean i don't think you can get anything better than monty python and the holy grail i don't actually i think people my age ha haven't really watched this one that much which is kind of crazy to me I, I specifically remember um i think i was giving like a weird like presentation like a group presentation in my college i think american history uh english class i think it was like in somewhere it was like 1800s english uh american literature and we were giving a presentation on the salem witch trials and i started my presentation off with the scene of um the witch scene where they're you know weighing they're trying to tell if this one woman is a witch or not and they're like, Banna, she's a witch, Banna. Like that whole scene where if she weighs the same as a duck, therefore she's a witch, Banna. Like that whole scene, I showed that to like the class, like introducing the Salem witch trials and how ridiculous it is. And the only fucking person in the room who got it was the professor. And I was so pissed. I was like, well, I mean, the one person that I needed to impress was a professor, so I didn't really give a shit that no one else in the fucking class knew what the Monty Python and the Holy Grail was. I was just so, I was so stunned and taken aback. I was like, really? Like, this is a class of, like, 40 to 50 kids. And I'm like, bro, no one here has seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I, I was just, I was kind of, I was low-key kind of pissed. I was like... You guys aren't living because this film is the best comedy of all time, hands down. I don't give a shit what anyone says. So moving on uh, to number 12, another sort of classic. I mean, I think I have this one a little bit higher than a lot of people, but I personally love it. Uh, number 12 goes to uh, <laughs> Braveheart. Yes, Mel Gibson's Braveheart. I mean, it's not actually Mel Gibson. So he didn't direct it or anything, but... Whenever I think Braveheart, I always think of Mel Gibson and that the famous speech, you know, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. I mean, another quote. I mean, there is a trend here. A lot of these films are very quotable. And I know all the quotes because I'm a huge fucking film nerd. But uh, yeah, Braveheart's the best. I think it has the best speech in all of film history. I think it's great. I mean, also, low-key, I mean, I keep saying low-key. I'm not a fucking... I swear I'm not some douchey, trendy dude, okay? Relax. I hands. I think this might be one of the best musical scores of all time. I love the music to this. It's another film where has a score where I constantly listen to it all the time. Like, I have a Spotify playlist of just strictly movie scores because I'm that much of a fucking nerd. 
and this one is in there obviously um up there with gladiators um uh let them be free i, I believe the song is called but um braveheart's great awesome music it's just also the battles are really great you know having all those extras together like that's hard to do especially in what 1995 when this was made this was made before i was born which is that's something um weird i mean i, I mean it still stands up today and not a lot of films do especially you know back um back then fucking mid 90s being back then but oh yeah still got one more number 11 um, in my uh, f- top 100, which is a film that I actually did my very first Why I Love episode on. And if you've seen that, I highly recommend checking that one out. I mean, it might not be the best content like ever on, on this show, but um, I think I really analyze this trilogy really well. And uh, it's Unbreakable. It's the first movie, Unbreakable, I think. I just, I love, I love Unbreakable so much. I think it has so much interesting ideas on purpose and meaning and what it's like, what, and finding that being like your, finding your true happiness is finding your true purpose in life. And I think that's a really powerful message um, to, you know, take from Unbreakable along with it just being a film that's so, was so ahead of its time, you know? It was before all these comic book movie madness. I mean, I think uh, Tim Burton's Batman were were still there, like with Michael Keaton. I mean, those I think were made before this one, but in like obviously the Superman films with Christopher Christopher Reeve. But like obviously Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy didn't exist. The Avengers movies didn't exist. The DC uh, EU didn't exist. So yeah, I mean. And this was a it's was a superhero origin story, and I it's just such a beautiful film. Um, I have a huge. I mean, I talk about this film at length with my why I love episode, so I would recommend watching that if you want to hear my extensive thoughts on this film. Not only on this film, but Split and Glass, because I go through the entire trilogy and why it's so fucking awesome. So yeah, Unbreakable, my eleventh favorite film of all time, doesn't quite get into my top. 10 that may change in the future i don't know i mean these films i'm we're getting into territory where it's kind of set in stone my top 20 is pretty set in stone i've thought about my top 20 a lot so yeah um so again i'm gonna be revealing my final 10 in another why i love episode um which will probably be a little bit far down the road so Going to be taking a little bit of a break from my top 100 um, films of all time list. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sorry about that, but I kind of want to watch all my top 10 films again so I can talk about them more at length in a full episode. I'm going to be dedicating a full episode on my top 100. I'm going to be pretty much talking about all, not really going to be reviewing all of them because I love all of them. Like, I mean, it's my top 10 films of all time. It's obviously I'm going to love all of them. So, but I'm going to be talking about why I love them so much and why it kind of contributes to why I love film so much. So I think that's going to be a pretty special episode. I'm going to be working on that for a little bit. But even before that, I have another why I love episode that I'm working on. So, yeah. Um, so I'm going to be looking at, you know, maybe some a little bit of shorter episodes without revealing my top 10, uh, my top 
100 list. I mean, I can't believe I'm actually here already. I still only have my top 100, uh, top 10 to reveal now, which is crazy. I mean, man, I've been doing that for a while. But uh, yeah, so get pumped for that uh, episode. And uh, like I said, um, get pumped for my other Why I Love episode that I'm going to be working. I'm not going to reveal it yet. I mean, I kind of have been tweet- tweeting about it a little bit here and there. So if you haven't followed me on Twitter, it's just uh, Michael Donato at um, NOS underscore Mikey on Twitter if you want to follow me. If you care, you don't have to. But um, yeah, so if you really want to know what I'm going to be talking about, it's there. But uh, yeah, um, that with that, guys, it's kind of the uh, it's kind of the episode. So yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, it seems like uh, we're a little bit below an hour, so I got to an hour. So we did it. We we did it, guys. We did it. Don't worry. We got we I got you covered with at least an hour a week. I mean, come on. I mean, you're talking to the host of Nerd Out Sanctuary here, guys. I mean, clearly, I'm a professional at this, at this point. Um, definitely not. Take a little bit of, take a little bit of a drink of my juice. But, um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this one, this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, too. So, like I said, if uh, you're just only listening on the podcast platforms, if you're just listening to the show perfectly fine if you just want to listen to the show but i suggest going on uh uh youtube to see if there's other you know content on there that you've missed in the past um like especially if you're just coming into the show now if you just kind of found me um welcome i hope you stick with me but uh yeah if you don't really want to listen to every single one of my previous podcasts go to my youtube channel just nerd out sanctuary on youtube i clip up Um, most of my episodes, if not all of them, I think there's a couple that I haven't that are just in audio format. So you'll be missing those, but, um, I clip up every single one of my topics that I talk about here and I, you know, I add some, you know, visual graphics to it as well. Something else to, to luck out rather than my ugly face. But, um, yeah. Uh, so if you just kind of want a little bit, you know, some segments of previous shows and want to skip certain things that you don't really give a shit about, um, that's, that's probably a good way to, to, uh, catch up, I guess. Um, and you know, hopefully it gets you motivated to watch some of the stuff that I really like talking about on this shit, on this show. So with that guys, um, that's going to be the end of the show. Um, I hope you, you know, stick with me. I hope you enjoyed that episode and, uh, see you guys on, uh, the next episode of Nerd Out Sanctuary. Uh, it's probably going to be a regular episode. It's probably I'm probably not going to be my next episode is probably not going to be my why I love. My why I love episodes take a little bit longer than my normal ones. Let's just say let's just say that my unbreakable why I love episode took me like two to three weeks to to actually make. I needed to watch all the films, uh, write extensive notes on all of them, take my notes down, summarize them, actually outline the episode, and actually sit down and record. And then I needed to extract it and then edit it and then upload it. It's 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 a long process, this whole thing. But we'll be getting it eventually. Just, you know, just know they're coming, okay? But in the meantime, I'll probably be talking about other sh- other stuff on this show. And, uh, yeah, I might even be, I might even, like, play with a, a certain top ten lists, you know, whether it's directors or genres or a certain type of, like, a franchise, like, top ten, you know, fran- like, movies in a franchise or something. I might... Uh, integrate that into my sort of like top 100 movie slot 
that I, you know, time, time slot I have in these episodes. So, okay, I'm going to stop rambling because uh, it needs to end. This, this, this needs to end, Mike. So with that, hope, hope you guys stick around. Hope you guys uh, stay tuned for episode number 35 and keep staying to tu- uh, staying in tune and looking forward to my why I love episodes that are hopefully going to be coming out in the recent future. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed this one and see you guys on the next show. Bye.